Father, we thank you that we can join together and lift up the name of Jesus today. And Father, as we have sung about these attributes of Jesus, the way maker, the miracle worker, Father, I pray that as we close out the year 2020 and we look toward 2021, that our eyes would not be focused on our circumstances, that our eyes would not be focused on the disappointments of 2020, but that we would be focused on the gift that is 2021 that lies before us. Father, I pray for those who need a miracle in their lives today. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will sense your presence and sense your moving in their lives right now at this very moment as we agree together. And we're so thankful that your word tells us that when we agree that you are present and that you are moving on our behalf. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you today. And we expect to hear miraculous testimonies of the amazing things that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I want to just wish you again a Merry Christmas and also to wish you a Happy New Year. If you're joining us this morning for church online on your device, I just want to encourage you to take a moment and share this uh, message to those uh, who are on your feeds. And so if you would just take a moment, do that, write a short invitation. I have to say from personal experience that um, I'm amazed by those that have uh, accepted those invitations and they participated in our services, and it's a great way to touch people. We're finishing up today a series that I've really enjoyed called Tis the Season, and the message that I'd like to share with you today is called Questionable. This has been a series where we've looked at the history and the meaning behind uh, a number of famous carols that exist in American culture, and, and many of them are also a part of European culture as well. And today I'd like to look at uh, the writer of one particular carol that we will look at throughout my message that was born in Scotland in 1771. His name was James Montgomery. He was born to very devout parents. They were, they were uh, of, of the Moravian uh, church there um, in the United Kingdom. <clears throat> and when Montgomery was a, a young boy, his parents accepted the call to serve as missionaries, and they left Scotland for the West Indies. This was when Montgomery was about six years old, and at that point, he was placed in a boarding school that really was better described more aptly as a monastery. And unfortunately for Montgomery, his parents died while they were on the field, and after they left uh, 
that, that, that last time that he saw them, he never saw them again after the age of six. So in truth, he really was orphaned um, at the age of six or, or shortly thereafter. During the next number of years, he was shuttled back and forth from place to place throughout his young years, and, and really it would have crushed most children his age. Throughout his young years, he really struggled and found himself uh, to face quite a few failures. He failed at school. He failed uh, as a, a, an apprentice uh, in a bakery. He served there to, to become uh, something and to pick up a trade, but he found himself failing at that. And then he found himself running away, and he decided to head to the big city about 160 miles away, the city of London. Now, I remember visiting that city, and I remember sitting in a restaurant uh, just off Piccadilly Square there in the city of London, and I remember thinking to myself that this city was so massive that if I was ever looking to, to get lost, that's where I'd go. There were so many people that, that no one could ever find you in a city like that. Well, while he was there, Montgomery found himself homeless. He was trying to make a living selling poems that he enjoyed writing. Eventually, he was able to get a job at the Sheffield Register. And the Sheffield Register was a newspaper, and the owner of that newspaper ran into some great difficulty because uh, the English government did not like what he was writing. And so he decided to basically leave town, and he sold this, this newspaper to Montgomery, and Montgomery began to run it. And during his tenure running the newspaper... On two different occasions, he was arrested by the British government for radical views that he held. But in spite of all of these negative and difficult circumstances in his life, on Christmas Eve of 1816, he published in his paper the words that we now know as angels from the realms of glory. I love the chorus of that song, come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. I'd like us to look at three of the stanzas found in Montgomery's carol. I believe that they'll speak to us today. The first stanza talks about the omnipresence of God. Let's look at the lyrics of that first stanza. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. You know, these angels, we read about this experience in Luke chapter 2, in Luke's gospel. We read that Caesar has declared that there is to be a census of the entire 
Roman world. That meant that all men would need to travel to their ancestral home, the city of their, their family's line, in order for them to register for this census. So that meant that Joseph was going to need to travel to Bethlehem because he was from the line of King David. And he would need to register there with Mary, who was expecting. Luke tells us that the time had come for the baby to be born, but there was no room for them in the inn. So Mary gave birth and laid her child in a manger. The Bible says that he was wrapped in cloths. The angels appeared to the shepherds that were in the fields around the city of Bethlehem. Don't be afraid, they said, because we bring you good news of a great joy which will be for all the people. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> where Luke writes this today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Luke tells us that there's a great company of angels that appeared as heavenly hosts, singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. The angels were proclaiming the birth of the Messiah. The Psalms tells us that these beings, these angels, that they were created at God's command, that God established them forever. Job tells us that angels were present at creation we know that angels were created beings and they were, were present not only at creation but throughout history. And the scripture describes them as ministering spirits that have been given the responsibility to protect people here on earth. So they were present at creation, they were announcing the Messiah's birth and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, we read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, the words of Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Angels are, are beings that were created by God as eternal beings. There's no, they're not limited by dimension. They're not limited by time or space. And God himself, the creator of those beings, certainly is not limited by dimension. He is certainly not limited to time or space or dimension. And so these events that we read about Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, they are not random events. This is not a random birth, but this is something that has been planned by God. Literally, there is a thread, a red thread that runs throughout the history of mankind, and that thread is the person of Jesus Christ. Isaiah points to the Messiah some 750 years earlier when he writes about the Messiah. The events of the birth of Jesus were no accident. Now, 
in your life, you may take a look at it and say, you know, I can't really look at, at the events surrounding my life and, to, and, and, see, and see anything other than something that's out of control and ple- completely random. But I assure you that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You might be asking yourself today, how could God have a purpose for me? How could he have a plan for my life? Look at it. I've messed it up so bad. How is that possible? I want us to take a look at some of the questionable circumstances surrounding Jesus' life. Look at Joseph. Joseph made questionable decisions, possibly as he was making a decision whether or not he should stick with Mary. I'm sure that he was asking himself, I wonder if my fiance has committed some questionable acts because I don't understand how she was pregnant. Montgomery himself He did a lot of questionable things in his young life. The choices that he made, quitting, running away, messing with the British government and aggravating them. Those are some questionable decisions. That's why he ultimately wound up in jail. But each of us have made questionable choices in our lives. Some of us, we look at our lives and we realize that we're now paying the consequences for those choices, and you wonder, how could God have a purpose? How could God have a plan for my life? Well, let me tell you this. God is not limited by time, space, or dimension. And because of that, with God, all things are possible. Even though you feel that you may have messed your life up beyond recognition, beyond the possibility that God could ever bring about his purposes or plan in your life, I want you to know God is not limited and nothing is impossible with God. The second stanza of Montgomery's poem talks about the incarnation of Jesus. We read that the shepherds were in their fields. They were watching or their flocks. Look at those lyrics. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching or your flocks by night. God with man is now residing. Yonder shines the infant light. You know, I'm wondering, maybe you have a question in your mind. Where did this idea of God residing with men ultimately come from? In the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, we see that Mary and Joseph have been betrothed. They're engaged, but it's a little different than our culture because in their culture, it was a legal binding contract. But as of yet, that had not, that marriage, that relationship had not been consummated. At this point, Mary begins showing. She begins to have physical changes to her body. Undeniably, she is pregnant. But you know, the Bible says that Joseph was an upstanding Jewish man. And he would not have wanted to violate that covenant And the law, the Jewish law for being caught in adultery was capital 
punishment. In fact, the Bible says that someone who's committed adultery could be killed by stoning. In other words, they would take rocks and throw it at them until ultimately they died. The Bible says that Joseph decided that he was going to divorce Mary quietly. I'm sure the gossip around town was, hey, Joseph's fiance Mary, she's showing up pregnant. But Joseph is, he's one of those guys that's an upstanding Jew, so it probably isn't his baby. She must have fooled around with a Roman soldier or something like that. But Joseph didn't want to cause Mary any public humiliation. So he decided to divorce her quietly until the angel ultimately came to him. Jesus' birth, there were lots of questionable circumstances. I'm sure that, that this, uh, this birth that people thought this was an illegitimate child possibly from, from Joseph's fiance Mary, or, or maybe Joseph wasn't really the upstanding good Jewish man that we all thought that he was. But the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, and the message in that dream was this, Joseph, don't be afraid. Go ahead and marry her. Because what is conceived in her, it's not from man, it is from the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel told Joseph, name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. This happening and this writing in Matthew is fulfillment of the prophecy that the prophet Isaiah wrote about when he said 750 years earlier that a virgin would conceive and give birth. And now we know that it is Emmanuel, that it is God with us. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, we read this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of the same chapter, it says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is talking about Jesus. It's talking about Jesus that, that at the beginning, before creation, he was with God. He was God. And then he came and made his dwelling among men, referring ultimately to his birth. In 1816, when this carol was written, when this poem was written and published, there was a great debate and that debate was between the divinity and the deity of Jesus. Many believed that, that Jesus was divine. He was higher than the angels, but he was not a deity, that he was not equal with God. And of course, we read in Scripture that equality with God was not something that Jesus had to reach out and try to take because God had given him a name that is above every name and that God made Jesus what he was, that God sent him to earth as his only begotten 
son. The lamb, Revelation calls him, that was slain before the foundations of the world. So Jesus didn't just show up one day being created at his birth. Jesus was the son of God from from not not even from the beginning, but he just is and was the son of God. But his birth is clouded with questionable circumstances. You know, in my own family, there's someone that's very special. She's really been the spiritual rock of our family. It was my grandma Taylor. She's passed on now quite a few years. But my grandma had a prayer that she told us that she prayed. She prayed that all of her children would come to know Jesus as their Savior, even if it meant that it would cost her her life. It's really been amazing to watch as one by one, her children have come to accept Jesus as their Savior. I remember one winter, I was a student at North Central, and I was going to be heading home to Janesville for a a little bit of time with my family. I don't remember who set it up, but I just found out that I needed to swing by my grandparents and pick up my grandmother. And I would frequently, after I get up, got off work on a Friday night, I would, I would literally head out and drive most of the night to get home. And so I picked my grandma up late into the night. And I remember we talked for the rest of the drive. It was at least three more hours. And I learned things that I never knew about this spiritual giant in my family. What I learned... And I'll admit I wasn't very smart and I hadn't figured it out before, but I learned that my grandmother was 16 years old when she married my grandpa, and he was 24. And as you can imagine, somebody getting married with that big of an age disparity that there was probably a circumstance involved, and yes, she was pregnant when they got married. That kind of... I don't want to say that it rocked me, but it really, it really made me stop for a moment because this woman was such a spiritual influence on our family. And let me tell you, that was a questionable circumstance from her past. But as I look forward from that conversation over the next three generations in our family, I see five and even soon to be six and more full-time pastors in the ministry, serving God with their whole heart. As we look at Montgomery's childhood, there were so many things that were outside his control, the death of his parents on the mission field, the fact that he was moved around from home to home, something that would would crush most children. And it makes me ask this question to you and I, do you have questionable circumstances surrounding your life and the beginning of your life, things that that really were outside your control. Maybe those things have caused you to wonder, is God really real? Because of those things that happened that were so painful in your life, you wonder, is, is there any way that God can really do something with my life? Can he bring about his purpose in my life? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the apostle Paul says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This Christmas and every Christmas, we celebrate that God is with us. That that Jesus put on human flesh and came and dwelt among us and that he went to the cross and he died for us. I want you to know that the eternal God has a hope and a future for you. Let's look at stanza five, which talks about our deliverance. He writes, sinners wrung with true repentance, doomed for guilt to endless pains. Justice now revokes the sentence. Mercy calls you, break your chains. Man, those are some incredible lyrics. This is part of the poem that we normally do not sing in the song because it's really sort of a, uh, it's harsh. It's, it's really a downer to sing about sin and doom and justice at Christmas time. The prophet Isaiah, he foretold that the Messiah would pay for our sins. Look at the book of Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The angel Gabriel told Joseph in a dream, we read about it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to earth. He was born to give you and to give me the opportunity to turn from our sins. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 that through Jesus that there's a canceled charge, that Jesus canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. The King James says that that he canceled the written code, the regulations that that, that you have broken, the regulations that I have broken through the law, that Jesus canceled that. As the Messiah, Jesus is God's gift of mercy to all mankind. And that gift was sent in order to break the chains of sin and death. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, it says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So whatever you've done, whatever questionable beginnings you come from, whatever questionable decisions you've made, whatever questionable circumstances you find in your life right now, I want you to know that Jesus came and we celebrate his coming to this earth at Christmas. He came to die to set you free and to set me free from sin and death. So despite those questionable beginnings... 
despite those, those, the, the questionable past, the questionable choices, the questionable circumstances. The, what I really want to ask you today is how will you respond to the unquestionable truth of who Jesus is? Here's what Montgomery said. Here was his response to that unquestionable truth of who Jesus is. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. I told you about my grandma Taylor. My dad shared with me that she accepted Christ as her personal savior. She was about 25 years old. They were living out in the state of Oregon. It's hard for me to imagine this wonderful grandmother of mine, but she was a welder in a shipyard. And one day as she was welding, a piece of paper blew up in front of her and, and the wind just carried it in. And, and she had a, a welding mask and gloves and had her torch in her hand. And that, that piece of paper got in the way, and so she was able to grab it, and, and, and maybe she even crumpled it up, I don't know, but threw it away from her so that it did not distract her from what she was doing. And a moment later, that piece of paper blew in front of her again and literally hit her in the mask as she was welding. She took off her mask she grabbed that piece of paper and she looked at it. And it was a gospel track, a, a, a brief gospel message. And at the end of it, the message was this, do it now. Do it now. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he tells us that now is the day of salvation. Don't let your past, don't let your questionable beginnings, don't let your questionable circumstances, don't let your, your questionable choices that, that have happened in your life, don't let those things dictate your future. You can decide today to come and worship Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to sense your presence in this place, to, to, to be able to read the Word of God, to look at, at these songs that have meant so much to us and have shaped and fashioned our thoughts and different aspects of our culture. And today as we wrap up this series and, and we've, we've celebrated the birth of Jesus, Undoubtedly, we can look around our living rooms right now and see the evidence of our Christmas celebrations. Father, I pray for that one today that, that is concerned that they have come from such questionable beginnings. They've come from 
a questionable past. They've made so many questionable choices. They're, they're even paying the price for some of those right now. Father, I pray that rather than to let their life be dictated, they will simply say, God, as Montgomery wrote today, I want to lay those things down. I recognize that you canceled the written code I'm guilty. I've broken all of those laws. I've broken those commandments. I've done those questionable things. But I realize that Jesus came and he died for me. And so from today forward, I want to come and worship, to come and worship Christ, the newborn king. Friends, if you will pray that today, I believe that you will begin a relationship with Jesus Christ like my grandmother did after a questionable start in her life and that God can bring about his plans and his purposes for your life. Father, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for a new start in spite of those questionable things. God, you have sent Jesus so that we can be a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are are made new, your word says. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.